You are looking live at chicken dinner. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. I think I'll take two chickens. Go on riverboat gambling trips. You're going to die for some chickens. Hey, what's your chicken dinner? Someone is. It was feathers yesterday. There was no chicken. What you got riding on this game? My daughter. What a gambler. It's chicken dinner. Hey, Babalugas, we got a bet here. Here's your host, Sam Panionovich. It's called Winner, Winner, Chicken Dinner right there, boys. <laughs> Let's get this thing going. Winner, Winner, Chicken Dinner. How about that? Away we go. Chicken Dinner, Wednesday, December 16th, 2020. Follow us on Twitter at ChickenXDinner, Instagram at ChickenDinnerSP. Smash that button. Subscribe to the podcast so you can get it right when it goes live. Coming up on the show today, Tim Murray joins us. He's a host at VSIN, and we used to do a weekly spot every Friday back when he was one of the hosts on the Daily Line on NBC Sports. Tim has many thoughts, by the way, on Notre Dame and Clemson in the ACC title game. He's a big Irish guy, but he's a realist. He's not one of those over-the-top Notre Dame guys like I grew up with on the south side of Chicago that thought Notre Dame was going to win every game by a million points and always bet Notre Dame on the money line in big games. I Actually, I was writing a column up for Nesson today, and we'll get into a lot of this with Tim about the game, but I found this number about Notre Dame's big games, and I say big games with air quotes around big games because these are bowl games against top five teams. Now, Clemson-Notre Dame is not a bowl game this time around, but it's essentially a game to get to the college football playoff. So since 2000, Notre Dame has been outscored 188-60 to in five bowl games against top five teams. And that includes their 30-3 loss to Clemson in the Cotton Bowl in 2018. Now, every year is different, and you don't really want to overreact to recent history because I do think that this Notre Dame team is a lot better than those teams have been in the last even five years. They're just better in the trenches. They're strong. They're fast. They're mean. They're physical. They dominated the line of scrimmage against Clemson earlier this season. The rush count in that game, 208 to 34. No question who controlled the line of scrimmage there. And I remember two weeks ago when we were talking about potentially thinking about where this line is, I thought, well, Clemson under two touchdowns, I'll lay it. But then the books and the offshore markets hung a seven. I'm like, oh, I think a seven and a half, actually. And I thought, uh uh-oh, this isn't good for my narrative that Clemson's going to win by a million points. And I think it's important not to react to the history. And here is that history that I brought up. Since 2000, they have played the following games in bowl games. They lost 41-9 in the Fiesta Bowl to number 5 Oregon State. In 2006, they lost to number 4 Ohio State, 34-20. 2007, Sugar Bowl, LSU, number 4, beat Notre Dame, 41-14. National Championship, 2013, number two, Alabama beat Notre Dame, 42-14. And the aforementioned Cotton Bowl, Clemson 30, Notre Dame 3, December 2018. So when you look at that, you go, ah, well, Notre Dame always gets fucking rolled in a big game. And you're not wrong about that. But this team and this defense and their line play, they're different. And I'm starting to get weaned off of this Clemson side. Not only were we not able to lay the number we wanted, 
which on the open globally was seven and a half. And then within boom, boom, boom a day, it's up to ten and a half. I'm like, oh, well, that sucks. Would have liked to have laid seven and a half or eight or nine or ten. Now it's ten and a half, eleven. And still, not many people willing to run to the Notre Dame side. So I'm sort of nervous that I'm buying into the history on both sides. Well, Notre Dame in a big game, they suck. And Clemson in big games, oh, man. But Clemson, if anything, Clemson may be the more overrated side in this game. So I'm off the game. Like, I thought going into this I'd be on Clemson, and I've been sort of talking about it for a couple weeks here. But the more I talk to the bookmakers – and a lot of the square betters, really, I think that's more important than talking to the bookmakers. Bookmakers will tell you, oh, my number is seven, my number is eight. Square guys are all going, oh, Clemson big, Clemson big, Clemson big. That makes me nervous. When the bookmakers say, my true number is Clemson seven or Clemson eight, and the bartender type people are all going, Clemson route, Clemson big. When you only hear that, that makes me nervous, and I just don't have to pick it. So I'm off there. But I am on Florida, and it makes me nervous how much I like Florida. I can't even say it without laughing. Florida getting 17.5 is too many points. Can they lose by 30? Yes. But this number two weeks ago is Alabama minus 11 or minus 12. Brad Powers tweeted out his power rankings, and he's one of the best guys I think – in the business at putting numbers on teams and calculating a spread. He had Alabama minus 12 last week. Now, if you think about what happened over the weekend, that doesn't help your Florida case, but it also sort of does. It gives you more points. You have more wiggle room. So if Alabama's minus 12 a week ago, according to a guy that I really respect, only two things happened. One, Alabama blasted Arkansas 52-3. LSU upset Florida 37-34. I don't think Florida took that seriously. And they also didn't have their best offensive weapon in Kyle Pitts, who by all accounts is pissed and ready to prove that he's a difference maker. Alabama's not going to stop him. And Alabama's not going to stop this Florida offense. Alabama's better on offense. They're way better. They're an offensive team now. A decade ago, they win with defense. Now they win with offense. But they're going to give up points in this game. And Florida, even though they have have two losses, okay, but they've never been dominated in any game. You should beat LSU as a 23-point favorite. I understand that. But you lost by three to LSU, who still has pretty good players. They lost a lot from last year, but those are still – on the recruiting side of things, those are still four- and five-star players. They also lost to Texas A&M on the road, 41-38. And guess what? A&M had fans. So I'm not nervous at all about taking a number that I believe is too big. And I talked to one bookmaker in Vegas who said, on a Wednesday, they had only taken one bet on Florida. Only one. And the line's been up since Monday morning. Monday, Tuesday, and almost all day Wednesday, only one bet with the spread on the Florida Gators. You can wait it out if you want. Might get 18, might get 18 and a half. I'm good. At 17 and a half, I'm in. 
It's a bet on their offense. It's a bet on Kyle Trask. And it's a bet on Dan Mullen scheming enough to get Florida into the end zone. I feel like you need four touchdowns. If I can get four touchdowns with Florida, they should probably cover this game. And Alabama hasn't really played a lot of good offenses this year. Pull up their schedule and look who they've played. They've been kicking the shit out of teams. Arkansas, Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky can't move the ball. Mississippi State, Tennessee. They haven't they haven't beaten a very good offense yet. Even Georgia, I don't think is a very good offense. Early in the season, okay, they beat AM 52-24. But AM wasn't rolling at that point in time. AM's a much better team now than they were then. Alabama's dangerous. We know that. They've covered their last seven games. They're eight and two against the spread. But you're telling me now the spread is 17 and a half and nobody's betting Florida? That's a chicken dinner special. I mean, that's what we do. Take advantage of inefficiencies in the market. And I'm on Florida, plus 17 and a half. Speaking of inefficiencies, very good Monday, very good Tuesday. If you're following on Twitter, that's two winners in college basketball. Monday, Rutgers, buck. Tuesday, Illinois, buck, buck. The Big Ten has been very good to us over the years. The Mo Valley is good. The Horizon is good. That's our web. That's our network. Midwestern basketball. I had, I don't even know how many people I had telling me yesterday, that's too many points for Illinois. Too many delay. <laughs> they were up almost 40 points in the second half. It's like you watch one game, you watch Illinois lose to Missouri. Missouri's got dudes, and that rivalry is very strong in this part of the country, in Chicago, in the Midwest, in St. Louis, whatever. And three of those guys on Missouri were supposed to play for Illinois. Mark Smith did play for Illinois. Jeremiah Tillman committed there, and they end up at Missouri. So there's no love loss between Illinois and Missouri. That's a rivalry game. You throw it out. And then people look at Minnesota's record, 6-0. Oh, they're getting eight. That's a lot of points. No, it's not. Illinois is going to be a very tough out, assuming everybody stays healthy and we get through the season and we have a tournament. That's going to be a tough team. I like Iowa a lot too, but Illinois can be just as good in March. Anything goes in a one-off in March Madness. You have a bad shooting night, boom, you're done. Season over, get in the box. But if they defend the way they defended yesterday and they get the equal opportunity scoring that they got, that team is going to be a very tough out. When they're going to find themselves in trouble is when they rely on Io DeSumo to score 30-plus points like he had to do against Missouri. If you need hero ball, that's not good. But Illinois wins 92-65, to and the balance of their scoring. That was why they won that game. Coburn had 33. He ate them alive. But you got 14 from Miller, 10 from Io, 10 from Frazier, 9 from Curbelo. That's what you need. You need balance. And they shared the sugar too. 21 assists in that game for Illinois. That's how they're going to win. But they stuffed Minnesota. Minnesota 7 of 28 from 3. Illinois was daring them to shoot. That's a much better defensive basketball team. And I don't care if Illinois is ranked 4th or 10th or 13th. Or, oh, they're too high at 6th. I don't care. 
what's the spread, and how is it relative to the individual matchup? People were down on Illinois after they lost to Baylor. Then they beat Duke. Down on Illinois after Mizzou. Then they wallop Minnesota. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. And on Monday with Geo Baker, Geo Baker back in the fold for Rutgers, a calming presence with the game on the line in the half court. I didn't even think he was going to play. I, I heard yes, then I heard no. I heard doubtful. I heard questionable. I heard maybe. And he gets out there, and he is a calming presence, an upper-class team. And people, oh, it's Rutgers. Relying on history is lazy. What's important now? What's important for Rutgers is they've got a squad that has grown together with a very good coach in Steve Peichel. Young, senior, Mathis, junior, Harper, junior, Johnson, junior, Geo Baker, senior point guard. This team has grown together and meshed together. And there's a reason they are where they are. There's a reason they're ranked higher than Duke and some of these other blue blood programs. Well, Rutgers didn't win on the road last year. Last year's fucking over. Last year's over. I had to laugh at this tweet that I saw from Ian McDonald, who used to listen to our shows all the time at Visa, and he used to always tweet at me and send me messages, and he's a very good dude. We hung out a couple times at the South Point. This made me laugh out loud. At iMac44, he tweets a screenshot of his bet slip. This little $10 six-team NBA division champ parlay pays $6.6 trillion on DraftKings Sportsbook. He bet the Oklahoma City Thunder at 150 to 1 to win the Northwest. Sacramento at 100 to 1. Detroit to win the Central 150 to 1. The Knicks to win the Atlantic 250 to 1. Charlotte Hornets 33 to 1 to win the Southeast. San Antonio Spurs 33 to 1 to win the Southwest. Will this win? No. It will absolutely not win. We had this phrase back in the day, make them shake. Can you imagine being in that trading room at DraftKings and seeing all the bets that come in? Because what happens is you get all the bets on a scroll and you get how much was wagered and what the potential payout is. So if you're scrolling down the screen at DraftKings to win 100, to win 1,000, to win 2,000, to win 50, to win 75, to win 6.6 trillion, and you fall out of your chair when you see something like that. Ian knows it's not going to win, but that's a make them shake. Somebody in that room was shaking for sure. And then DraftKings actually responded to the tweet. Did you bet this question mark? (laughs) That's outstanding. I don't know if Ian made the bet or not, but he's got the screen grab. Maybe it's a buddy or whatever, but that is a bet slip for $10. Six team division champ parlay to pay 6.6 trillion dollars all righty good luck we're zipping along here um we're gonna have a college basketball game on friday by the way the record check now uh with those two picks college basketball six and three we're up uh, 2.7 units so we'll take it and i'm very selective in college people say what do you like today what do you like wednesday nothing nothing friday though there's a game that i'm gonna be over we've talked about bryant now and the books have found out about bryant there's another team that plays really fast, and that's Portland State. 
and they're going to play Weber State on Friday night. And Ken Palm says that the number is 75-73. If you go to the Ken Palm fan match, I suggest you get Ken Palm. It's 19.99. Don't even act like you don't drunkenly bet that shit on a Friday or Saturday, 20 bucks. Don't even don't even start. So for 19.99, you get the projections for every game in college basketball for 350 plus teams. Ken Palm has the number Portland State 75-73. I think this total should be 160 because Portland State, a lot like Bryant, plays with pace. And in adjusted tempo, Portland State is 22nd in the country. But that's a little bit skewed because in their last game, they played Washington State. And what does Washington State do? They clamp you up and walk the ball up the floor. It's easier to slow a game down than it is to speed one up. So, Pace of play was not in favor of Portland State. But they go into conference play and play Weber State on Friday night. That game is going to fly. And I'm telling you now, on Thursday night, when that total comes out at 149 or 150, we're going to go over. And I wonder where that thing is going to close. But would you like Portland State, Weber State over? You won't know a player on either team. But just check the box score after it's over. See how many possessions. David Purdom wrote a story about Luka Doncic MVP bets. Luka has attracted more MVP bets than Giannis, Anthony Davis, and LeBron combined. And at points bet, one of every three bets has been placed on Luka. They did a good job, these odds makers, making Luka the favorite because they were correct in their assessment that people would bet him. Is Luca the favorite true number? No. But you have to expect the avalanche of money, and they did that properly. I remember seeing the odds come up. I think it was FanDuel was first with the MVP, and they had Luca and Giannis on the one line tied. I thought, wow, that's interesting. And lo and behold, even at 4-1 to one, or plus 425, one of every three bets of points bet placed on Luca. That's a good number. Joe Osborne tweeted this out. He was on our show last month at JTFOZ. Here are the teams that make you money on six-point teasers. The Dolphins with a six-point tease, 12-1. and one. Bills, 12-1. and one. Giants, 11-2. So if you just tease to those three teams, you're 12-1, 12-1, That'll pay your rent. And then eight teams are 10-3 and three in a six-point tease. Titans, Steelers, Seahawks, Rams, Packers, Eagles, Browns, Bears. And only the Niners and the Jets have losing records on six-point teasers. Lastly, before we get to Tim Murray, I'm getting closer to making the picks. I'll probably do it tomorrow. I'm in on Florida, plus 17.5. I love this Buffalo team. That market opened 12, now it's 13.5. I want to check one more thing in the morning, and I hope there are some 13.5s available. But anything under 14 with Buffalo, I'll lay the points. Florida State was on my sheet. That thing has moved through 7. 7.5 on the open against Wake, down to 7, and now 6.5 in the market. And the two NFL teams, ooh, these are ugly. I'm waiting on 7 with the Broncos. That's a weird Saturday night game in the mountains in Denver. I think it's going to get to seven, and everybody's going to bet the Buffalo Bills here. I'm going to wait for seven on Denver. And the other team that I've circled so far in the NFL, and I've got a little bit of time to make my mind up, the Detroit Lions catching 11 in Tennessee. 
think that's a lot of points. This is the time of season where you've got a lot of ugly dogs on the list in weeks 15, 16, 17. It's not going to be easy, but sometimes you got to plug and play. <laughs> Joining us on Chicken Dinner, we go to Las Vegas. He's a host at the Vegas Stats and Information Network. My guy's in the desert, also the Lombardi line. The man does everything. And we sort of, I think we completed the trade from VEASAN to NBC Sports. <laughs> I think this was the player to be named later. At one, Tim Murray. Hi, Tim Murray. What's up? Mr. Sammy P. Wow. It, it is uh, how this can be. It's so interesting. You know, it wasn't that long ago we had you on the NBC show every uh, every Friday making picks. You know, we had uh, hot sauce bets and, and everything. And now I'm here in Vegas. You're headed back east uh, to Boston. So it's uh, it's wild. This uh, this crazy industry we're in. But uh I'm fired up to be on this podcast. I keep seeing the tweets all the time, and I was wondering when I get the call out of the bullpen. I've been warming, warming up. Well, you're my Eric Gagne. I mean, I'll take that. I mean, you know, I don't take steroids, but, you know, he did save, what, 80 straight games once upon a time, so I'll take it. This is your knowledge. I can just throw a random player out there, and you can just give me some random story or random stat, and I think that people in the sports betting space appreciate – people that are able to relate to a player or to a moment. I mean, you, you're a stats guy in general. I'm a stats guy too, but it started for me. I was actually, as I was packing up boxes to get through this move from Chicago to new England, I came across an old binder of basketball cards and I was born in 89 and I'm looking because when you get to the front page of the card booklet, you start to see the back of the cards, right? When did I actually start collecting? And I kid you not, my first three cards in that binder, which I apparently got when I was three years old, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant. Not too shabby. Yeah, those are, uh, uh, you know, it's funny. I was doing the same thing, uh, moving out west, and uh, a buddy of mine just loves to collect cards and I just gave him a box of just randomness. But, you know, looking in those, you know, Dave Martinez is the, the manager of the Nats. And I was looking through my cards heading out west. I'm like, look at this, a Dave Martinez Expos card from like 1993 <laughs> or something like that. It is it is so great when you go back and look uh, at your card collections and, and things like that. So. Yeah, uh, you get to you get to unearth some really interesting stuff when you when you have to move. I mean, when I was in Maryland, we would move from place to place before ultimately buying a house, Sammy P. And um, I found some high school uh, high school baseball stats. Um, uh, they were just in a box of nostalgia. I mean, like, good lord! I'm like, man, I struck out a lot. <laughs> what was the toughest part of your move? Not about the work, just about the travel. Because I thought my trip from Chicago to Vegas was bad in a car. You had to come from all the way out on the East Coast and drive across pretty much the entire country. What was the toughest part about the move? I'll be honest. The toughest part was. Um, so I, I, I took the dog. My dog is a, a 80 pound lab mix. So he was not getting on an airplane. So I packed up the car. I didn't have my son or my wife. So it was just me and the dog traveling across country. So we kind of took our time. It, the toughest part I got. So I, I like to, uh, since he's been a puppy, we always just take him on hikes and I, I want to keep him, you know, fit. And he's, he's just, uh, he's spoiled beyond belief. So I, I, I look up on the map, Sammy, um, a spot outside of St. Louis, and it looks like a great little hike. And I'm like, great. Uh, you know, it's a good spot to stop. 
So I, I get out and it, it looks perfect. You know, it's no one's there. I'm just hiking along. I'm listening to podcasts or whatever. And I get back to the car and I look down on my legs and it looks like I have stepped in mud. You know, we've all stepped in mud and it splatters up right on your mm -hmm. legs. Now look down at both legs and the mud is now moving up my legs. What? And I'm thinking, I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I look down, I get a little closer and they're little bugs. And now I'm freaking out. I'm in the middle of Missouri. I'm driving to Tulsa that day. So it's not like I'm, you know, just hanging out in, in Missouri. I've got, it, it's also the midst of COVID. So it's not like you could just kind of, you know, ask people for help or whatever. The only thing that I, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking I have 20, uh, 200 to 300 ticks all over <laughs> me. They look like little ticks. And... And also, of course, timing be what it was, I had to do a conference call with the uh, new hires at VEASAN. So I'm sitting there. I end up driving to a McDonald's parking lot, and I'm taking and, – and the first thing that comes to my mind, if anyone's ever gotten a tick before, is alcohol kills them, right? You, you pluck them off and you drop them in alcohol to kill them. Well, I have hand sanitizer out the ass because it's COVID, so I take hand sanitizer, and I'm just rubbing it all over my legs, just – trying to get these things off and I'm freaking out. Eventually I get to Tulsa. I go to a CVS. Um, I get tweezers and I get rubbing alcohol. I must've pulled, I'm not kidding, 40 to 50 things of these things off of me. They, I eventually found out they were chiggers, which uh, are, you know, they don't have, you know, uh, Lyme disease or anything like that. But uh, yeah, the uh, infestation of chiggers and I took three scalding hot showers in a uh, in a hotel in Tulsa, Oklahoma that night uh, while thinking I might have ticks all over my body. But at the end of the day, I think I I made a pass. So that was uh, that was the worst part of the trip, I would have to say. Interesting. Interesting. I'm going to try and transition out of this to a team that's been a real tick for me this year because they haven't really covered all that much. I think they're 500 against the spread. I think it's five and five ATS. But every time I pick against them, they cover. And the team I'm talking about is Notre Dame. Mm. And this is your favorite team. We taped they this uh, on Zoom, and I can see over your shoulder you've got the Notre Dame banner, and you've got you know the stadium, and you're a big Irish guy. You always have been. And I'm trying to figure out why nobody is on Notre Dame here. It's making me nervous. And I thought when the line opened up, I saw Clemson minus seven and a half. Dave Mason tweets that from bet online. And I thought, well, I don't bet mm -hmm. offshore. I'm not going to bet seven and a half. And I can't pick seven and a half because most of my audience doesn't have that. Literally right. 36 hours later, the line is 10 and a half or 11. And I'm going, oh, no. So now yeah. I missed the opening number, the true opening number. I don't really want to lay 11 and nobody's on Notre Dame here I just I, I feel like I have to pass I have to stay away because in all honesty Notre Dame has been a tick for me this year and every time I try and scratch it or pull it it bites me yeah it, and um I rarely ever bet on or against Notre Dame I bet against them um on Black Friday I really thought that was going to be a, a thorn in their side. I didn't think the defense would be up for that task against North Carolina, and uh, they ended up covering and uh, winning that game rather comfortably. Really impressive performance, in my opinion. Um, the, the BC game, depending on where you got it, uh, they either covered, pushed, or I think the closing number was 13, so you actually might have 
uh, got the Notre Dame there. Yeah, I go back and forth on this, Sammy. I, I do think it is too many points, but part of me thinks it's a trap. Um, you know, I Notre Dame, let's be honest, uh, as as a Notre Dame fan, in big spots historically have underperformed, very much so. College football playoff, uh, you know, New Year's Six bowl games, uh, the, you know, national championship against Alabama. I mean, the mindset of this team is just seems a little bit different. Let, I, let's just go back. We'll talk through this game before, you know, giving this hot take a lock of the century on, on Notre Dame. So go back to November 7th. Look at that game. Now, we know Trevor Lawrence wasn't there. His replacement, DJ Uyunglele, threw for over 400 yards, so it wasn't like he stunk. The biggest thing I look at in that game was Clemson, yes, was missing Trevor Lawrence, but they were missing Tyler Davis, their defensive tackle, James Skalski, their middle linebacker, and another linebacker, and Mike Jones Jr. So they'll all be back, and that is incredibly beneficial to Clemson. But Notre Dame, honestly, Sammy, they were the tougher team. You know, there was no smoke and mirrors on November 7th. They beat their ass up front. They were the tougher team. They won the line of scrimmage on both sides, and Dabo has has flat out said so. So um, I think this is a lot of points for a Notre Dame team that seems uh, raring to go. Both teams are coming off a bye week, so they're, you know, uh, they're both rested. Um, you know, one question for Notre Dame is – the their starting center is out for the year. Jarrett Patterson really had been playing well. Um, Zeke Carell replaced him uh, down against North Carolina, and then he was dealing with a high ankle sprain. We don't know if he'll be back, so that could be something that uh, Clemson could try to take advantage of uh, up the middle there. But uh, I grabbed it at 11. I, I rarely bet Notre Dame, but it opened at 11 at Circa. Uh, I took the 11 points uh, with Notre Dame. I would say, Sammy, if I were to play this one and, and give out you know, full-on opinion, I would play the under in this one just because these two teams playing against each other for a second time, I give advantages to both of the defensive coordinators. Brent Venables is as good as anybody, and Clark Lee for Notre Dame is, uh, might win uh, assistant coach of the year and uh, just got hired by Vanderbilt to be their new head coach. So he's very highly thought of, and he's been tremendous this year. So – um, I, I would, if I had to make one play, I would lean under, even though it was a 33, 33 game and Trevor Lawrence didn't play. I, I think this is going to be more of a chess match and I could see a, you know, 31, 24 type of game, 28, 24, somewhere in that ballpark. So uh, I would lean, uh, taking the under if I had to make a play on this one. Market coming down too. This thing opened up sixty-one, a lot of sixty, mm-hmm. and there's a fifty-nine and a half at Bookmaker and Bet Online. So early in the week, well, semi-early in the week. We still got a couple days until kickoff. The market is agreeing with you on the under. I think more than anything else, though, well, two things really. It's lazy to use the historical angle because Agreed. this team this is team not, is different. All these teams are different. But you're right. You go back to that. One of the bigger bets I ever made was in the championship game, Alabama against Notre Dame. But I'll tell you what. They were outmanned. They were out-toughed. They got whooped in the trenches in that game. And I went back and watched Clemson-Notre Dame. And granted, Clemson, Clemson had a couple guys out. Notre Dame won the fucking line of scrimmage, man. On yep. both ends, on offense and on defense. And you look at the rushing yardage in that game. Notre Dame ran for 208 yards. Clemson ran for 34. 
do I want to lay 10 and a half, 11 points with a team that got worked in the trenches? Eh, not really. Yeah, and, and and to that point, and I, uh, you know, I, I just, yeah, I mentioned that too, is, right. you know, look, look at, Sammy, look at to, you know, when you see an upset happen, and Notre Dame beating Clemson was an upset, right? Usually when the less talented team wins, things went their way. And did they have uh, a scoop and score with uh, Jeremiah Usukoromoa on a bizarre pitch that just bounced into his hands? Yes, they did. That was beneficial. But Ian Book was going in for six, he stretched the ball out, loses it. Clemson recovers in the end zone. Notre Dame is at fourth and one at the goal line. False start leads to a field goal. Touchdown pass to Michael Mayer, their freshman tight end. Drops it, leads to a field goal. So Notre Dame, you know, as that game went on uh, on that November night, as a Notre Dame fan, and I'll be honest, a bit of a pessimist when it comes to my favorite team, I'm thinking they're just missing opportunities here to, to put away arguably the best team in the country, and yet they still found a way to win that game. So, yeah, that's where it comes back to, you know, at 11, 10 and a half, it just feels like a lot of points. And I'm sure Dabo and, you know, Brent Venables are, are hammering that home. But, yeah, Brian Kelly and, and, and this Notre Dame staff, they're not going to be satisfied. This is a team that, you know, is hearing that everybody's picking Clemson. Look at every bowl projection out there. Every bowl projection has Notre Dame playing Alabama in the 1-4 matchup because everybody assumes that Clemson is just going to win this game. And I understand the assumption that's, you know, a double-digit favorite. But, yeah, I mean, this team is is a different team than we saw in 2012 and, honestly, than we saw in 2018 when they got smoked by Clemson in the semifinal. I hate how much I love Florida. It makes me nervous. But I also, <laughs> I just tweeted it out this morning. It's 17 and a half now. I made the game two weeks ago. I made it 11 and a half or 12. Yep. And it's tough to go against Saban. Everybody knows that. Historically, it's tough to go against Saban. I'd rather bet against him in this spot, though, than have to wait three weeks for a bowl game, though. This is the time... I feel like with Kyle Pitts, too, down the field, he didn't play against LSU, and he's a top-five pick in the NFL draft. Senior quarterback, Heisman-caliber numbers, an offense that doesn't stop. I know Alabama doesn't stop either. The total going up, too, 72 to 75. Can I hang within 17? I think I can. I like Florida first half a lot. And I'm going to grab every point I can with the Gators. That offense is going to score enough to keep it close. That's my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, you might as well just wait because I don't think anybody's going to be betting Florida throughout the week, right? See where this one goes at uh, at kickoff. Yeah, you're seeing 17 and a half at uh, at the Westgate right now. Other 17s, uh, 17 and a half. I think 17 and a half at the South Point. Hard to disagree. I, I think you and I think similarly. Um, you know, we don't like to uh, lay points and. You know, Bama right now is a is a, just a machine. They've covered seven straight games against the spread. Um, they're they're a first half covering machine as well. Um, but this Florida team does have the capabilities to go uh, punch for punch on the scoreboard. You know, the last team to cover against Alabama was Mississippi, and that was a sixty three to forty eight game. Uh, and and I could see something similar. I mean, I, I think Florida does have the weapons to, to go toe for toe. Um, you know, I honestly, I wish I could go back to in time. I was staring at it. I mentioned the Circa opening line. Notre Dame was uh, 11. 
Alabama was laying 12. Now, man, that would have been mm-hmm. sweet to go back and lay 12 with Alabama and then maybe even have a chance for a middle uh, now at 17, 17 and a half. Um, but uh, yeah, for, for me, it, it's either Florida or nothing. Uh, as much as I, I understand Alabama is untouchable, Florida does have those types of guys that are, that are really challenging to, uh, to, to slow down. And, and now this is, is Sammy, isn't this such a buy low opportunity on Florida? They just lost to a 23, you know, as a 23 point favorite to LSU, everybody's counting them out. They have no chance to go to the playoff, et cetera, et cetera. It, it does feel like at 17 and a half, man, that's, that is mighty tasty there for Florida. Your dance floor now. My final question, I'm going to give you the floor and ask you if there's anything you love in college football. I brought up my two games. Any yep. game or two that you want to bring up in college football or the NFL that you like? Uh, let's stick with college, even though really I've had more success this year in the NFL. I just like college football more, and this year's been tough. This past weekend was a goddamn disaster. Uh, I had I had UCLA. That was not fun. Oh. Um, I, I also had Miami, so that, that was just a horrible play. Just a god-awful, terrible decision on my part. Uh, I'll give you a couple that I, that I like. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people are on this. Look, I was on Navy last week, and uh, I know Navy couldn't move the ball, but if you watch that game, I watched every second of that fog bowl, just m- misery. Navy really had a chance to, to cover that number. They got stopped at the one-yard line four times. Uh, they had a scoop and score that they didn't even pick up and then they turned the ball over. Air Force was off last week. Um, you know, heading to Mikey Stadium isn't really a daunting task for them historically. Uh, I think they've covered eight of the last ten games there in West Point. And uh, I'm catching under a field goal for Air Force. These games always trend, you know, low scoring. Uh, I just think Air Force is a better team. Army had to, to give its all last week uh, against Navy while Air Force was sitting there just watching the game. They were off. So uh, I laid two. It's up to two and a half. As long as it stays under a field goal, I would be comfortable uh, with Air Force there. And then, um, you know, I've, I've gone back and forth, and uh, love is, a, is an interesting word, but I'm kind of liking the Ragin' Cajuns a little bit uh, on the road against uh, America's sweetheart, Coastal Carolina. And uh, right now uh, I'm getting three and a half with, uh, with UL Lafayette. If you look back at this game, now it was at Lafayette earlier in the year. Coastal Carolina gained 414 yards in that game. UL Lafayette gained 413. Coastal won this game with a 40-yard field goal with four seconds to go. These teams are as close as you could imagine. So I'm getting over a field goal here with UL Lafayette, who, by the way, was a a 9.5-point favorite when this game uh, played back in October. So... Um, uh, personally, I'm, I'm hoping that coastal wins this game by three, just so uh, we can have a 12 and 0 season and coastal maybe could get into a new year six, which is probably unlikely. Uh, but I, I kind of like the rage and Cajuns here getting North of a field goal. Uh, so give me three and a half in a rematch spot. Uh, I'll take uh, UL Lafayette here. Is there anything we could side bet in any of these games? Hot sauce, Ooh. tequila. It seems like we're on the same page on a lot of these. Is there anyone that you, I'm, you know, looking at the board, I, I, Oklahoma, Iowa State. I'm just infuriated by the uh, by the committee. I think it's an absolute joke what they've been doing this year. You know, slowly creeping up Iowa State, forgetting that they lost by 17 to UL Lafayette, and just pretending like that game never happened. Um, 
I, I don't know. I, I think Oklahoma has a chance to win this game going away. Oh. Uh, they're a five-point favorite. Uh, I, I feel like people are going to see Iowa State, the uh, the higher-ranked team, as, as getting some candy there. So I, I like Boomer Sooner uh, on a neutral field a little bit. Uh, they've been playing better. So uh, that that I don't like playing do, uh, favorites all that much, Sammy, but – I kind of like Boomer Sooner in this spot too, laying the five. Nah, I'm not interested in that one. How about this? There's got to be some purple alcohol somewhere. <laughs> I'll take 20 and a half. I don't even need 21. I'll take purple 20 cats? and a half with Northwestern. All right. I'll, I'll lay it. I, I don't love it, but. Uh, well, would you rather have Northwestern or Ohio State? You pick. You're the guest. You know what? Let's just, uh, as much as uh, you made a great case for Florida, let's just do the SEC championship. I'll I'll give you – you want 17 or 17 and a half? Oh, I want the hook there. I need the hook. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll give you 17 and a half, and uh, I'll, take, uh, I'll take roll tide. I love how you didn't fight me on this earlier, but when it comes to making a bet, you're like, you're on. I'll lay the points. Well, honestly, I, I, I kind of like the Purple Cats too, uh, especially if I get 21. So I'm not so – I'll just – I'm not personally going to bet this game, but this will make it more intriguing now. Now that I have something on the line, I'd rather bet you something dumb than actually lose my my hard-earned money on this game. So instead of betting this game personally, I'll bet it with you. And uh, I, I lean Bama just because they're freaking ridiculous. So uh, you take those 17 and a half. Uh, I'll, I'll lay the 17 and a half, and uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to figure out something uh, of humiliation here. For, uh, for this game. It's a date. It's a date, buddy. <laughs> That's Tim Murray at VEASAN. At one Tim Murray. Catch him. My guy's in the desert. Also, he does the Lombardi line. One more time. At one Tim Murray. And I miss our times together, man. We had so much fun on those Fridays on the daily line. Oh, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm glad you landed on your feet. And I don't know if it's Boston or Vegas next, but we're overdue, buddy. Yeah, and there's no doubt about it. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll make it happen. And uh, I, you know, it goes the other way, dude. I, I'm so fired up. This uh, this thing at Nesson sounds like it's going to be incredible. And uh, the world needs to watch out for my man Sammy P. I miss the I miss our dates every Friday, but uh, this was uh, this was a nice makeup. That about does it for chicken dinner. Thanks to Timmy Murray for hopping on the show. The record check. Hey, we have a hundred graded picks, fifty five, forty five, and one ties don't count. So 55% in our first 100 picks, I'll take that, plus four units. In college basketball, six and three, plus 2.7. Football, 35, 30, and one, plus 1.7. Been a weird year in football and a really tough college football season. And we're playing Florida right now, plus 17 and a half. That's the only pick I've got for you right now as we roll into Thursday and get to our next show on Friday when we talk to Mike Helfgott, longtime writer for the Chicago Tribune, very sharp with the basketball, college, pro, draft, futures, all that stuff. We'll talk a lot of buckets on Friday. Cash some tickets, make some money. We'll talk to you in a couple days right here on Chicken Dinner. So you'll be the greatest man alive